Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith and I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Online as well today. Um, we're in the middle of a series called The Great Reset, and this is really exactly what it says. It's a great reset, it's a reset in our soul. Jesus came to give us an opportunity to reset, put things back into proper order. That's the whole point Jesus came, was to restore salvation, being saved, all those different words that you might hear in Christian circles. It's really about resetting things the way God had already intended it from the beginning of time. We learned the last few weeks about how enthusiastic follower, a passionate follower, is the norm. A fan is described as an enthusiastic follower. It's just, it comes with the name fan. You're excited. The problem is, what are we excited about? Unfortunately, sometimes we do get excited, but it's maybe from the wrong place. We're excited about things which puff us up, like pride and all that stuff. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. We talked about how we, we need to learn to own our morning. By how? By remembering the goodness, the greatness, and the glory of God. That's, that's a, a foundational, simple start to our day if we want to inherit the courage that God has on offer, the dreams that God has on offer, the power and His presence is all incorporated and captivated by understanding who God is. We want to be people. God, God doesn't want us to be people that are just built foundationally on charisma, on our performance, and all that kind of stuff that's often seen on the surface. He actually wants us to be deeper. He wants us to be driven by love. Love has to be our foundation, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. God's love is more than we need to change the world. The Bible says that we can have all these different gifts and gifts of prophecy and the gifts of tongues and all these different things, but if we have not love, we're like a resounding symbol. We're doing nothing because God's power, it only works through the foundation of love. Can I get an amen? But, but the problem with love is this, <laughs> and the way we operate, and I operate as a human, is often God's love isn't experienced His true, that, that, that definition of love isn't experienced until our performance, until we fail. Often it doesn't work out, and we don't... It, truly know who we are. Our true identity doesn't come to the pic- in the picture until we actually suffer some things on the earth, until, until what we have tried doesn't work, and we feel empty, and, and we've come to the end of ourselves because God has wired us for love. So I want to talk to you today about a message that's called, Put Away Your Sword. I wish I had, I was looking for a toy sword in the kids' ministry next door, couldn't find one. It's probably a good thing that we're not training the kids to use swords, but the Bible does talk about swords, and, and a sword is a physical weapon to fight off danger, and that's not necessarily bad, but the order in which those things happen is bad. If we're going out to try and attack people for no reason, just to control or, or manipulate or hurt, that's bad, but we're going to talk about that. So put away your sword, kids. Put your swords away. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're here that you're speaking to us through the screen in which we're listening through, God, that, that your word is heard. 
that God, your presence is everywhere. And God, I ask you speak to our hearts. Actually help us through this season. Help us not to waste this season, but to actually prepare in this season for what's ahead. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Okay, we're going to read a few scriptures. Stay tuned, stay focused. Matthew 16. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's got his followers, his passionate, his fans, the people who are passionately following him. They've given up a lot to follow him. But we're going to see here they're on a journey. They're certainly not perfect. They're, they're on a journey of, of, of learning the heart of God. And, and if you're like me, you're probably in the same boat. And it says this in verse 21. From, the time, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. If your online says suffer, the person says suffer, the very word that we don't want, but Jesus is saying he has to suffer. Many things at the hands of the elders of the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day he'd be raised to life. Imagine being a disciple, and you, you've fallen in love with this Jesus, you've given your life for him, and he's telling you he's leaving, and not just leaving, he's going to suffer. And he's going to be killed. Like I think a natural reaction would be probably what Peter says is, no, that's not fair. It's not right. How often in life do we experience things which just don't seem fair? It's not fair that that person maybe died before their time in our eyes. It's not fair that they're living a different life to me. It's not fair that you know, that person who I perceived to be, you know, should have lived longer than 60 died. It's not fair. We, we go through these things all the time. It's not fair that I didn't get picked. It's not fair that, that uh, you know, that person has that ability and that gift to play that sport or, or that instrument or whatever that is or that computer game. It's not fair I got beat on FIFA by some guys recently in our church. That's not fair. I don't like that. I'm suffering here. <laughs> and so Peter goes to Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. So here's Peter's the follower. Peter's the student. And he's telling the teacher he's wrong. He's telling the teacher he's had these prophetic words, which he's fulfilling from hundreds of years back in the book of Isaiah. And Peter has puffed himself up to the point. He's like, no, I'm going to control the situation. You're not going to die, Jesus. And this is Jesus' response to him. He was quite ruthless. He said, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Demons out. You're a devil to me right now. You're representing demonic powers right now, Peter. And it needs to stop. P Peter, actually, it seemed on the surface that Peter was doing a good thing. It seemed on the surface that Peter wanted the best for Jesus, but Jesus was ruthless with this. And he said, get behind me, Satan. The, the, the frame of mind that you're in, Peter, right now is going, it's going to hinder the church. It's going to hinder God's power. It's going to hinder the love of God. It's going to hinder the call of God. What right now in your life are you hindering? Because you're focusing through a filter of man-made things. You're focusing through a filter of trying to work things out in the natural and here Jesus is saying, listen, no, the Father has spoken to me in love. And he's reminded me that I will suffer and it's okay. That actually the suffering was a part of the plan. It, it, it was essential. It was essential. And Jesus said to the disciples, whoever wants to, dis 
uh, to be my disciple must deny themselves and take their cross up and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will, will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is, is serious about this, and today Jesus is serious about this for your soul. You can gain all the stuff in the world. You can gain all the comfort. You can avoid all the suffering, and you can lose your soul, and you can lose your calling, and you can lose the power and the love that God gives you that actually changes the world around us. You see, it's the, God has given us all the love that we need to possess to change the world, to change your family, Literally, do, to actually do the work. To change nations, to change towns, to change villages, to change yourself. The love of God is there. It's in full supply. Actually, there's not just full supply. There's more than enough. But, but Jesus is saying, if you don't deny yourself and, and the passions of your flesh and your worldly ways and you're too connected to your own eyes and what you see and what makes sense to your limited mind, Listen, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now and we still don't understand this virus. There's all kinds of different strands coming in. Why? Because we're limited in understanding. We know in part, not in full. It's confusing. The smartest minds on the earth today still don't know fully. The most intelligent people are limited in ability. Maybe there's somewhere else we need to look to than just our own minds. Maybe we need direction and guidance somewhere else. And so the first point I want to make is prideful passion wants to control when the Spirit knows to surrender. There's certain areas in my life and your life right now that, that you're trying to control. And because you're trying to control, you're, 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 you're stopping God's work in your life. You're resisting God's love in your life you're not fulfilled, you're not happy, you're not at peace because you're, you're putting a stop sign up where God wants to start because you're in your mind, you're thinking too much. Because prideful passion, you can be excited about church, you can be excited about the Bible. How many people get excited about going to conferences, but why, just to get more knowledge? Are we in this to see life change? Are we in this to actually become more patient, to actually follow the Spirit of God? It, you can actually do all these things and not follow God. You can go to church and not follow God. You can, it's, a, it's a godly thing, but you can do it for the wrong reason. And so we got to understand and ask ourselves, where is my passion really coming from? Here's a few questions. I was reading a book um, by a guy, Jeremy Riddle, called The Reset. Um, Got some supporters of that book in here. And here's a few questions that, that was posed to me in, in these books, in this book, in a, a few chapters. And it says, where have I compromised? Where have I compromised my heart? Where have I compromised my decision-making? Where am I doing things out of the wrong motive? Where am I addicted to the praise of man? Come on, in, the, in today's world with social media, it's so easy to get addicted to likes. I, I've been there. It's, it's a tension. It's a journey. I'm still... It's a battle. Why am I posting this? Is it to genuinely help people? Is it to genuinely share something? Or is it because I'm hopeful I can, I can beat 10 likes, 100 likes, 1,000 likes? Where's my heart? Where am I crippled? These are questions you can ask yourself. Where, am, where are you crippled or where am I crippled by the fear of man? 
maybe I want to share the gospel with someone and I want to follow Jesus in those areas. Maybe I've heard the Spirit of God speak to me in those moments, but it's weak. It's not very loud and it's not very strong at the moment. And, and, and I know I'm supposed to share with that person at work or, or I'm supposed to forgive someone in my family, but, but and the Spirit of God by love is, is leading me, but I'm too afraid of what people think. Maybe you're in worship and, and you're worshiping um, by, you know, in the corner of your room somewhere and, you, and if someone comes in, what's the initial reaction you have? Oh, you want to stop? Why? Because you're afraid of what people think. Where are we crippled? By the fear of man. Where, no, another one, where is selfish ambition lurking in the shadows? So maybe you're doing something and it's maybe 70% you're doing it for yourself, 30% you're doing it out of good heart. What if we could bring that up? to 40%. Listen, if you want to truly be a disciple, if you want to truly grow in love, God's love, if you want to grow in, in, in dying to that fear of man, you become a weapon for good. You become a weapon for love. You become, you become a weapon for God's courage if we can start to die to the fear of man. Because as we said last week, you can't hurt a dead man. A dead man doesn't feel anymore. A de dead man in his flesh. You can't hurt the flesh anymore if it's dead. And that's why I believe Jesus is not just trying to tell you to deny yourself, to hurt you, to haunt you, to, to, to stop you. He's actually saying if we, if we can get to that place where the fear of man dies, we deny your own fleshly desires, which are not of God, then what happens is you become an object of power, of purpose, of ability to go beyond the natural. And that's where God operates. And that's where life change happens. And that's where communities change. And that's where families change. See, what's in front of you needs to get behind you. Sometimes we're too quick to just grab. You know, it's the same thing happens. We're in a fast. We're, we're disconnecting from food, some of us. But, but right now, if you're disconnecting from food, there's something that wants to grab that cookie. What's in front of you is what's tempting. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's, it's quick. I, I don't want to wait. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to endure. And because of those things, I, I neglect and I pass off God's best in my life often. It's the same thing in the spiritual. We're quick to judge. I'm quick to judge sometimes. I'm quick to get angry. Oh, just, just right in front of me. I just want to snap. But a true disciple is learning to control that flesh. It's learning to overpower temptation. It's learning to, to flee from sin and flee from danger. Why? Because I've got a job to do. I, I've got a purpose to pursue. I've got to put the sword down. Number two, we must put the sword down to pick surrender up. So it says in John 18, here's Simon Peter again. And, and they're coming to arrest Jesus. And, and what does he do? He picks his sword up. And he drew it and he struck the high priest servant on the ear and cut his ear off, physically cut his ear off. Like this isn't games. This isn't just, he didn't just hurl an insult. He literally picked a sword up and cut the guy's ear off. He was ready to fight, control and fight. And Jesus says, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And that's kind of interesting because you thought on the surface, Peter's doing a good thing. On the surface, 
in the flesh, he's trying to protect the Savior. But how interesting is sometimes maybe you're trying to protect something in your life. You're trying to protect yourself. But here Jesus said, no, this is supposed to happen. Sometimes there's seasons for suffering. Sometimes there's a season to endure. Sometimes by not suffering, you're neglecting yourself. That's an interesting, that's an interesting thought. Sometimes God has called us to suffer well. Why? Let me explain why I believe that's true. See, storms will come and storms will go. Jesus was supposed to suffer. Actually, a fruit of the Holy Spirit is long-suffering. So it's not all peace. It's not all joy. It's not all uh, love. There's actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit is, is also gentleness and kindness, but then there's long-suffering. So that means to suffer long and to make it through. That means there's a process of suffering that we have to endure in order to overcome. And so maybe you're right now you're thinking about, like, think about where do you suffer? Some of you right now, you're thinking about a friend. I have to suffer because they keep annoying you. Maybe somebody at work, there's a boss that seems unfair. You're suffering. It feels like suffering every day. You're starting to, to grow hate in your heart towards that person. You just can't even, oh, no, here they come more work or more criticism or whatever it is. Or maybe there's that person uh, and you, there's jealousy in your heart and, 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 and you're struggling with it and it feels like suffering and it's a fight and you're trying to, to deal with it. And, and what, what should you do? Should you just give up, just let it grow? Or, or maybe um, there's someone in your family or maybe it's a spouse, maybe you're married or maybe it's children and you feel like you're suffering and you're up at night and they won't sleep and whatever it is, suffering. Let's talk about suffering a bit. You see, David, King David in the Bible, came under similar types of suffering before Jesus was on the earth. This guy Saul, this King Saul who was over him, he used to play the harp for him, but then all of a sudden Saul got jealous of David and started to give him a hard time and actually ended up wanting to kill him. Why? Because he had been anointed king. He had been prophesied and, and, and had favor with the Lord and with people. And people were saying all these kind kind things about David, and Saul heard this, and he got jealous. All of a sudden, Saul, who used to be uh, somebody that loved David, started to hate him, and David was probably wondering, why on earth am I suffering? He had a season where he had to hide in a cave. I'm suffering. What, what's going on here? But listen, let me, let's flip it. You see, what David probably didn't realize at the time is that God was preparing him to be a king. David actually needed Saul. Saul was his preparation. Saul was his training ground. Saul was, his, uh, was giving David the opportunity to grow in long-suffering, to, to grow in endurance, to grow in the, with, the, with, with dying to the fear of man and denying himself. Saul was actually what David needed to prepare him to become king. What if the thing that you're suffering in right now, it could be even a sickness, it could be a person, it could be a circumstance. What if that suffering isn't there to destroy you, it's actually there to prepare you? Maybe, maybe you're suffering because you've got kids right now, you feel, but what if God is preparing you to raise up a next generation that He will use to do powerful things? What if you're just like David right now and there's a Saul in your life, but without Saul, you wouldn't be prepared for king? Actually, without Saul, you would fail as king. You would fail in the next season because you didn't have Saul. Maybe we need to stop cursing the darkness. 
and start inheriting the light. Maybe the darkness pushes us into the light. Maybe the hardships actually bring healing to our heart. Maybe the situation that isn't working out is actually encouraging you to find out what's right about God. Maybe you're finding your true identity in the darkest moments of your life because otherwise you'd be too comfortable to even ask the question. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? So true courage comes not from control, but from consecration. True courage comes not from control, not from you making it all nice on the surface, but from consecration to purify. You see, we've heard the story of, of the diamonds were actually once coal. But as they go under pressure, a diamond is then produced. You see, under that pressure, God purifies us. But it often looks like suffering. It often looks like endurance. It often looks like a soul in your midst. It often looks like rejection. It often looks like being in the run on a cave, isolation in some, in, in some scenarios. But maybe it's not isolation. Maybe it's solitude. We begin to learn the presence and the love of God. You see, the sword that, that, that cuts off the flesh can also cut off your power source, can also cut off your calling. If you cut off Saul, you cut off your power. If you cut off Saul, you cut off your courage that's deep, deep way within your soul. If you cut off that, that scenario of rejection, you cut off your, your true identity that you will find through it. So maybe the, maybe the season we're in right now, let's not see it as something that's against us, but actually it's for us. Maybe that person that is perceived to be your enemy, they're maybe trying to take you out. What if you start to see them as somebody who was your trainer, preparing you, pulling out your gifts, pulling out your talent? Maybe that fear that you get that's crippling because if you dig deep enough, you're afraid of what people might think. If you share what God has put on your heart or if you do what God's told you to do, what if that fear is actually encouraging you it's, it's an indicator to step up. It's an indicator that the flesh is crying out. You see, the Bible talks not just about rejoicing, it talks about mourning. It talks about mourning. But, but how often in, in life we, we don't mourn when we're sad. We mask it. But God hasn't called us to mask it. He's called us to mourn it. Why? What is morning? Morning is when you express your heart in the, the way it truly is. And that's where healing comes. So if you're going through a, a season of suffering, Jesus cried out, you know, why have you forsaken me? He was mourning the death of his flesh. He was mourning the suffering in the spirit. He was being present in love. Because true love is always present, whether through the good times or the bad times. Maybe God wants you to reach the depths of your heart where you can say, God, I need your help. I'm in a, I'm in a season of mourning. God, God, I surrender it all again. I need strength. I need courage. But, but if you come to God with a mask in a prayer, God has no access through the mask. 
God, God has no access through fakeness. God has no access. He can't provide power. That's why Jesus was saying, you've got to deny yourself. Don't fake it. Don't try and do life your own way. Don't try and fix it. The situation is what it is. Put it in God's hands. Surrender it. Cast it. Take that care and give it away. Let God deal with what he deals with and you control what you control. How often are we we're too busy trying to fix other people? I am too busy sometimes trying to fix other people. And all I need to look at is I look in the mirror and I see so many problems that I need to work on. My heart, I gotta got keep purifying it. I gotta keep asking myself, where's my motives? And every time my motives are impure, it's because I've stopped trusting God in those areas. I've stopped trusting God. See, the greatest love stories aren't stories of pride. They're not stories of people's strength. They're stories of people's weaknesses, where they lose control, where relationship, you know, you watch the movie, the relationship fails, or it goes out of their hands, and all of a sudden just something happens and it comes back together. Or somebody goes to war and they sacrifice their life, and they suffer for a nation, they suffer for a family, they, they put themselves, and I was just thinking to myself personally, what would you die for, Phil? What would you die for? And I, I promise you, I wouldn't die. The first thing that came to my mind wasn't to die for a microphone, it wasn't to die for a keyboard, it wasn't to die for a set of speakers or lights, it wasn't to die for a building, a house, it wasn't to die for a car. That didn't come on the radar whatsoever. I didn't die for stuff. I wouldn't have died for any of that stuff. I wouldn't, if somebody was in a lake and it's freezing on a cold day and, and, and there's, a, there's, a, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a car floating down the river, I'm not, I'm not jumping in. Anyone with me? I'm not jumping in for the, for the car. I'm not jumping in for the house. I'm not jumping in uh, for the phone. Probably not. Well, maybe. No, I won't. <laughs> Phone's a tricky one, isn't it? But I, I'm not diving in if it's going to risk my life. But I started to think about some of my nieces. I started to think about some of my family. And I promise you I'm diving in. I promise you I give my life. I promise you there's something deeper than the surface. There's something deep way in me that they wouldn't even think. I wouldn't even have to question. There's, a, there's this thing and it's called love. And, and it's, it's the kind of love that would sacrifice and would suffer to prevent other people's suffering that I love. You see, that's the love that Jesus came to die with. That's the love that changes the earth. That's the love that changes your surroundings. That's the love that changes your heart. And if we go out as Christians and followers of Christ, and, and we're connecting to, to, and conforming to performance and to the love of people on the surface and, and the praise of man, and we're trying to people please, we're not chasing God's love, we're chasing man's approval. And we're not powerful, and we're not diving in, and we're not jumping into the river, and we're not giving our life for it, and we're not denying ourselves if we're honest. So the question is, what, where is that love that God sent in his son in your life? Where is your heart when you're doing your daily tasks, leading your family, in your job, at church, reading the Bible? Are you, are you masking it? Are you pretending everything's okay? Listen, God sees your heart. He sees your every thought. He sees your every move. We've got to start realizing that God is looking upon us 
He's not just a God of the kind of love that just accepts you, but he also judges us. But that's why Jesus came. And when we understand Jesus' love, he puts our failures, our, our, our lack of performance on the cross to release us to love, to release us from shame. Why? Not just for the sake of it, so we can write a story about it, so that we can access that kind of love and that kind of courage that changes the world, that changes our heart, that doesn't strive to please God. We, we're not here trying to please God. He's already pleased through Jesus. But what we are trying to do is we're trying to connect to his heart. See, what we learned last week, the goodness of God leads us to repent. That is the most positive word in the Bible, repent. What does it mean? It means to connect to God. We stop faking it. We stop masking our issues. We stop masking life. And we say, listen, God, this is either, I'm thankful for this, but, God, but I'm also, I'm suffering over here, God, and, and I need your love. Because your love sustains me. Your love gives me courage. Your love gives me dreams that go beyond what people think. Your love allows me to worship beyond what the crowd is seeing and not thinking about other people while I'm doing it. I'm only thinking about an audience of one. That's powerful. Love is the most potent, powerful force on the earth today. It's all we need to get the task done. It's all you need to fulfill your purpose. But listen, if there's an enemy in hell, if there's a devil in hell, you know, what, what does he want you to do? He doesn't certainly want you to have God's love. He wants to block it. He wants to lie to you. He wants you to lie to yourself. He wants to keep you busy performing, striving, trying to please the God you think you're serving, but the God you think in those circumstances isn't the God of the Bible. He doesn't want you to perform for him or strive towards him. He just wants you to surrender, to deny yourself, and then everything lines up. See, prideful passion burns out quick. I'm telling you, I've been there too many times where I just get into work mode and I remember when I was younger and I was just all fired up and, and, and just like Peter. And listen, if you're there, it's okay. It's a part of the process. Peter, the disciple who preached to thousands of people, seen thousands of people come to faith. He's on a journey here. He's on a, in a, a true discipleship process. And it looks like failure. And it looks like getting rebuked. And it looks like getting told off. Like, get behind me. And so it's okay to be in the process. We all are. But prideful passion burns out quick, and this is how we know. So here's Peter. He's cutting off ears. <laughs> He's got a sword out. He's telling everyone, you know, I'm so, I love you, Jesus. He's, he, he's telling Jesus all the right things. And then we come to this scenario where this guy who was full of passion, supposedly, he's telling Jesus all the right things, and he's telling Jesus, no, you're not going to the cross, and he's just full of passion. Just, he's speaking before he thinks. Has anyone been there? Anyone that speaks before things, you're just like Peter. And then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. When you get home at night, you're like, oh, man, I spoke too quickly there. Uh -huh. Peter. Jesus, you're not going to the cross. I've got, like, forget about God, the Father. Forget about, you know, the whole plan has been mapped, up from the, mapped out from the beginning of time. I've got a better plan, God. I'm a, I know I'm a, a finite human, but don't, you don't need to go to the cross, Jesus. I'll figure it out. You know, it's just pride. It's passion. He's excited about it probably. He's even severing people's ears off, but watch what happens when he was truly tested. This is the power 
of prideful passion. It says, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did other disciples. And now the disciples, this is in John 18. Um, and now the disciples uh, was known to the high priest and went to Jesus in the courtyard of the high priest. So, so Jesus had been taken, uh, and, Jesus, uh, and Peter's kind of waiting outside. And, but Peter stood at the door outside. And then the other, disciple, the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of the, the man's disciples, are you? Jesus' disciple. He said, I am not. That was the beginning of this passionate follower, full of passion on the outside, but as soon as it came to the crunch where he needed courage, he needed to deny himself and, and follow Christ, he said, I'm not. <laughs> so passionate over here, but as soon as man, the fear of man crept in, he denied Jesus how many times? Not just once, not just twice, but three times. So there's something wrong with this kind of passion. Maybe you're passionate on a Sunday about Jesus. Maybe you're passionate in front of people. Maybe you say amen or blessed. But true passion, true courage, it steps up when it counts, when it's tested. The true test, it passes. And it's funny how Jesus wasn't present in this test because the, the teacher is always silent during the test. Anyone been a test at school and you're dying to find an answer? You're not looking to your left or right. I know you wouldn't do that. But, but there's, it's silence. The, the exam room is silent. Jesus is no longer with Peter. When, when Jesus left, Peter didn't seem to have passion or the belief or the strength, the courage. Listen, God has got strength for you today. And it's strength that won't deny him. In the time. See, if you deny Jesus, if you deny Jesus, you deny his power and you deny his love. Peter was on a hard journey of realizing where he was getting his passion from. He thought he could do it in his own strength, and he failed, but it wasn't all over. It wasn't over because he failed. It actually was the beginning. You see, when love is all that's left, that's a perfect chance and a perfect opportunity for a foundation. Maybe right now, you don't have any strength left. Brilliant. Perfect. Now we can look to God's love. Now we can look to who God says we are and his identity. Maybe you've had the, the worst rejection experience of your life. Maybe you, you feel lonely and isolated. Well, let's turn that isolation into solitude. Maybe you, you feel like uh, you're all alone, but God can now teach you that he's present. So maybe the scenario of suffering can lead you to the presence of your Savior. Maybe the situation that has hurt so bad is going to now allow you to develop true, a true foundation of God's love. Put the sword down. Put the sword away. Stop trying to fight your own fight. Stop trying to work life out your own way. Maybe it's now time to surrender, to let go, 
give it to God truly and build on a true foundation that, that will not deny your call, your life, your eternity, and it will accept God's call, His purposes, and His life. And in turn, you receive all that you want anyhow. You, you receive the joy, you receive the peace, you finish the task at hand. You become a better father. You become a better friend. You, you become a more peaceful person. You stop chasing the, the meaningless tasks that if they were floating down a river, you wouldn't chase them anyhow. When it came to it, you stop running after possessions and money and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because really deep down, you're, all you were truly after in the first place was just the sense that you were loved. That you, that you actually, you is enough but it can't happen without denying yourself. When love is all that's left, you're right where you need to be. See, in John 21, Peter asked, or sorry, Jesus asked Peter a simple question three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? So think about all this has happened. He's, he's been passionate, and then he got tested, and the passion didn't work. It failed him. It wasn't true passion. It wasn't courageous passion. It wasn't passion that would lay his life down. It wasn't passion that would make a difference. And he, so he's, he thought he knew better. He failed. Now Jesus has said, hey, do you, do you love me now? Have, meaning, have you stopped trying to impress me? Have you stopped striving? Have you stopped, uh, you know, singing? To, to, to think, thinking that I'll be impressed with your singing, even though I, you know, God gave you the ability to do that in the first place. Have you stopped, uh, stopped singing and started to worship? Have you stopped speaking and started to actually pray? Instead of just speaking meaningless things to me in, in a quiet place, which is really, you're nearly trying to impress me to take a box to say, hey, God, I've prayed. Can you bless me? But are you starting to actually speak to me from your heart? Because that's where God wants us to be. But often that only happens when love is all that's left. So I want to encourage some people today, maybe you're in a scenario, or maybe scenarios will come in the future, and you think you've lost everything, and you might have. Don't give up. Let it work for you. The same way it worked for David, he lost everything. He had to flee the temple. He had to live in a cave. He lost everything that was, to, to humanize, was dear to him. He lost his comfort. He lost his possession. He lost his wealth. He lost his position, his job. But God has bigger plans for you and God had bigger plans for David. And the way God works is don't neglect and don't run from the suffering. Don't mask it, mourn it. Don't try and fake it. Keep following through it. The valleys are only for seasons. The storms come and go. Don't pick up your sword and try to work life out your own way. Surrender to the process. Surrender to the path that God has you on. It's not the same as anyone else. It's not supposed to be. It's not intended to be. Listen, so many people, you know, we strive after so many different roles and positions. But if we're honest, I'd love to be king like David, but would you have liked to have been in the cave too? Would you have liked to have had to get up and leave everything that was comfortable too? 
And listen, if God has brought you to something and life has paved a path of suffering for you in a season, God isn't surprised. He knew it would happen. And there's grace in it for you. What do I mean? There's favor in it for you. There's training in it for you. There's power in it for you. God intended it to be used for your good. And it hurts, and it's painful, and it's purging, and it's sifting you. But listen, God can use it for you and for his purposes. It's not over. Amen? See, access to true overcoming power is access to the God's sacrificial, unending love. So as the band come ahead on back up, we're going to go back into a time of response and worship. I'd love us just to really respond. And some of us, we've got to put swords down. Swords are those areas where you're striving, trying to make and force things to happen. I'm not saying you don't work hard. I'm not saying there isn't a time for work. It's the order. Peter, his first reaction was to, to control, to chop the ear. His first reaction was to change God's plan, to change the scenario. His first reaction was to make something happen that was never intended to happen. Why? For comfort. Because he was rejecting a season of loss, a season of suffering. But there's some things we need to mourn and not mask. There's certain seasons we have to let go of. There's certain roles we have to move on from in order to move into the next level of influence that God has intended for us. David had to live in a cave, but he had to mourn the loss of the temple for a season. And it was all preparation. What in your life right now do you have to let go of? Do you have to surrender? Do you have to put your sword down in? God is a good father. He absolutely loves you. But that doesn't mean he doesn't allow you to go through hard times. Because honestly, they're some of the most beautiful times that courage rises to the surface. I'm telling you, in the day and age we live, we need courageous Christians, followers of Christ who hear the voice of God, who speak the truth of God, who understand the holiness of God. Because this world is getting, it's, it's, it's always been dark, but there's, there's certain areas I'm telling you we're going to have to step up. And we can't do it without the love of God. We can't do it with, with, with prideful passion. We can't do it with, with this, with, with this self-effort and chopping off ears. We can only do it through surrender. We can only do it by denying ourselves and our will and saying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Maybe when you're here and you're saying, Father, I'm ready to deny myself. I'm ready to put Jesus first. I'm ready to give up. and I, 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 I'm not trading out this fake love, this fake life, this mask. I'm taking the mask off. I'm giving up on my own ideas. I'm surrendering my life to Christ right now. Could say this prayer with me. Say this, Jesus, I surrender my whole life. I give you everything. I receive your perfect love. You've paid the price for all of my sins. I am forgiven, I am chosen, and I'm called. I'm a brand new creation in Jesus Christ, my Lord. 
you said that prayer for the first time or, or the first time in a long time, you're, you're brand new. It's a fresh start. The flesh, the natural way of living, just living for stuff no longer matters. You're living for Christ, eternity. You're now a vessel of honor. You've been chosen. God will use every bad thing, sinful thing you've done in your past, present and future, and he will use it for your good if you let it go and give it to him. That's great news. Amen. Okay, we're going to go into a song of worship right now. I'm just going to pray. And let's just really worship with our hearts. God, we thank you. We praise your name in the house. We thank you that your love is all that we need, that powerful, potent force. God, we surrender and we come to the end of ourselves and we put our sword down and we pick up your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did there's just a few things i'd like you to do subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed secondly if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now and we will see you next time on the ariat church podcast